Welcome into the PHNX Suns VIP Lounge brought to you by our friends at the DraftKings Sportsbook app, America's top rated sportsbook app. Today, the Phoenix Suns defeat the Detroit Pistons 135 to 108. And joining me to talk about it, of course, is Espo and Gerald Borgay. Gentlemen, how you feeling after today's glorious win? Oh, that jazz music hits a little different on a Sunday morning. It really Love does. It. <laughs> Love it. That, it was so much fun. I, I grew up Catholic, and I used to dread getting up on Sunday mornings, right? This was the most fun I've had getting up early on a Sunday morning in a very long time. I'm Catholic. I didn't dread getting up on Sunday mornings, but I still had a great time today, too. So <laughs> that's good. Uh, although, I will say it was a... I don't want to say bittersweet, but there is one thing that we will yes. need to keep our eye on moving forward. But other than that, really great I, win all around. I love that, Gerald. Just throwing me under the bus right away. Hey, <laughs> look, I like I'm the thought Catholic. of sitting still for an hour for anything as a child was a, it was a maddening idea. That was the point. So <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> Well, it is like I said, a one thirty-five to one oh eight win in the first night day of a back-to-back -back for the Phoenix Suns. A good way to start a pair of back-to-backs for them. We know they're going um, down to San Antonio this afternoon to play the Spurs tomorrow night. They were able to get some of their starters out pretty early in this one and give those guys a little bit of rest. Just your initial thoughts on tonight's game, guys. Well, look, we said in the pregame, uh, there's no such thing as a bad Devin Booker, but when you get a great Devin Booker, uh, that's something special. And we got a great Devin Booker today. I mean, he played spectacular, wound up shooting, finishing 11 of 18 with 30 points. But in that third quarter, he was also getting guys involved, got JaVale McGee involved on some nice passes. He did a little of everything. And then ooh, that sweet, sweet put back dunk. We'll mm -hmm. talk about it, but that, uh, that was special. That was next level special. And uh, and he proved that Devin Booker is the best shooting guard in the NBA because the Phoenix Suns are the best team in the NBA. Had to get it out of the way early. He did. He did. Um, no, that was a really good game from Devin Booker. And he, I mean, he shot like two for seven in the third. But when you go nine for 11 in the first half, I, I don't really care about what you do in the third. He was trash talking tip slamming, hitting shots from all over the floor, playing really good aggressive defense. And like Espo said, facilitating, doing, doing a little bit of everything. Great game for him. Also really nice game for two bench guys, uh, JaVale McGee, who's also a Michigan native, and then Campaign, who we've been talking about. He's starting to kind of get it back a little bit. So that was really good to see as well. All right, guys, let's start by heading to the bar to get some drinks to celebrate this one. Uh, the only thing you can have on a Sunday morning when JaVale <laughs> has a big game is, of course, a McGee mimosa. I've never seen a mimosa look like that or served in a glass like that, <laughs> but we'll roll with it. It is a mimosa on this Sunday morning for JaVale McGee. That's a McGee mimosa. It's a specialty, Espo. That's why it's served in that glass, because you, you let you know... This is an upscale establishment. VIP We've never been accused of being an upscale establishment. <laughs> that is a first. So. Well, there's a first for everything. May as well be today, right? Why not? Yeah, All right. So not? let's dive into the first quarter. Obviously, these both of these teams came out shooting the ball exceptionally well. At the end of the first quarter, Detroit had shot 71% from the field, and the Suns had shot 80% from the field, some big time shot making there in that quarter. What did you guys like about how the Suns started this one? Well, they just came out aggressive and yeah. that that's what you wanted to see. I, you look back and we mentioned a little bit in the pregame show that Boston game where they started early on the East coast and they kind of came out flat. They came out in the first quarter against this Detroit team and, and basically made it very clear that they were here to play, they were going to push these guys around uh, and get whatever shot that they wanted, and that's exactly what uh, what you need in a first quarter in a game like this. Is when you have these young teams, uh, you know, that are, are looking to make a statement. Lindsay, you compared them to Suns teams of yesteryear, where they're not good, but they will get up for some of the bigger games. You kind of break a spirit, you break a will when you come out shooting like that in the first quarter. 
Yeah, I, I thought um, obviously they were shooting the ball really well, and I think they kind of needed to because the Pistons were as well. And I don't think it was a case of Det- or the Suns' defense not being up to par to start this game. I think Detroit just came out and they hit some pretty tough shots. Um, and then as the game went on, that kind of equaled out for Detroit, but their defense wasn't able to stop the Suns' offense. Um, and that's how they blew it open. I, I think Book, we see this so often from him, where if he gets going early in a first quarter, like it just sets the tone for the Suns' offense as a whole. He had 15 in the first quarter, I think six of seven shooting. Um, he just came out aggressive, and, and he was hitting some really tough shots. Like that dude, when he gets cooking, is impossible to stop. So great way to start the game, great foot to get the game off on, and the Suns just kind of took it home from there. Yeah, Book Book was in full Armani mode in that first quarter, and you knew we were getting a special special game out of him. And I I love that when he has that attitude. I mean, uh, I believe Gerald, you retweeted this, but somebody said that Book was telling people in the Detroit crowd, "This is my city." And <laughs> yeah. when when you're doing that on the opponent's court. <clears throat> you know you're feeling it that day. I love that Devin Booker has embraced this. This is who I am. I'm going to get hot. I'm going to tell you why I, why I am who I am and how I'm dominating you all at the same time. Unfortunately, though, uh, towards the end of the first quarter, DeAndre and asked Monty Williams to take him out of the game. I think it was about four minutes or so left in that first quarter. And then that brings us to the second quarter where we got the news from the Suns that DeAndre and was not going to return to the game because he had suffered an ankle sprain. Did you guys see when that happened? Was it on Devin's shoe? Yeah, it was it was near the end of the first quarter. He was there was a ball handler in front of him dribbling around and he uh, kind of took a step backward and stepped on Devin Booker's foot, kind of rolled his ankle a little bit. Um heard from Monty very briefly before we started the show and he didn't really have an update. He said he saw the play. Um, but you know, we'll get an update from the Suns probably tomorrow or later this evening at some point, but, um, hopefully it's not serious. It's not a great sign that they ruled him out that quickly. But again, when you're the best team in the NBA and you have a backup like JaVale McGee, you can, like we talked about with cam in the pregame show, you can err on the side of caution a little bit more. So hopefully that's just what this is. And it's not something more serious. Yeah, I'm not a doctor, and I'm not going to play one on this post game show. Uh, but, uh, and I didn't go to college for eight years; it was like five and a half or something. But uh, <laughs> it it did look like that, uh, similar to to Cam's, where it was it, it was a slight roll, probably one of those things that you know we've all had it, where you know where you step, it's that shooting pain. He knew I got to come out uh, right now, and hopefully after in a couple of days. He'll be fine. I, I'm hoping maybe Thursday, if it's not too serious, we can we can see him back. Uh, and uh, but like like they've done with Cam, better to err on the side of caution. And this is why it, you know that James Jones made sure that they had backups at this position. You know, you've got Javale. They brought in Bismack. Obviously, Jalen Smith can play uh, play minutes there. So I think that's. I, I think that is probably what we'll see is give him as much rest as he needs and, and roll with that. Man, I just feel so bad for DeAndre. Like first it's the flu and he lost what, what did they say? He lost 12 like pounds. 10 or 15, 12 pounds. Then yeah. he gets COVID. He's out for a few weeks from that. And then now he's got an ankle sprain. Like this poor guy cannot catch a break. Like at some point in time, somebody just needs to like, do some cleansing something to rid DeAndre of all the ailments because I want to see him out there playing like this sucks. Gerald, if we sneak some sage or crystals into your work bag, will you bring it into the facility (laughs) and help us out of his locker? (laughs) Poor poor guy. (laughs) I'll do my best once we're in person again. We haven't been able to go to a practice in a while. Maybe that's what it is. Um, But yeah, no, it's rough for DA. And especially if you look at the Suns as a whole, because we've been talking about this, they've had guys in and out of the lineup these last few weeks, the last three games or so, it feels like they finally started to find themselves again. And of course, you know, DA sprains his ankle in this game, right? When everybody, almost everybody's healthy, everybody's back, they're getting into a groove again. So hopefully it's not serious and not the type of thing that'll keep him out for more than one or two games. Um, but yeah, it's just unfortunate. They, they should be able to kind of roll with it a little bit, especially if JaVale McGee plays like he did today. 
but it just sucks because he, you know, like you said, he had the lower leg contusion. He had, you know, COVID, all these different things that have held him out on and off throughout the year. And I feel like he's putting together his best season if he can just stay out there. Uh, so hopefully this is just a minor bump in the road. Yeah. But when you have a lot of minor bumps in the road, eventually it all kind of adds up to major time missed, which is the unfortunate part here. It's not like a few years ago where it was 25 games all at once or anything, but we're starting to see these games add up for DA and it's just unfortunate. Uh, Before we move on in the game, can I, can I touch on something that's going on in the chat? Sure. We've got, We've got a lot of beanie talk going on in the chat. We've got bees saying beanie mode is officially a thing. Brian saying beanie plus ratio equals Armani or Armani mode. Uh, and God saying beanie magic in full effect. Do we have any analytics on the beanie? Do we know like uh, we uh, Chris saying beanie mode, beanie and Armani mode? Like, do we have any? analytics on how they've played when the beanie makes an appearance i need the record we need to figure this out and if it's the case you are only that it's you're undefeated you are only allowed to wear beanies on the show anymore listen any excuse i can add into my book for why i want to wear beanies all the time i will gladly take it (laughs) we know it at least has two wins under its hat so friday and today we no got two in so a row. Far. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we know for sure at least there's two in there. But I like I said, any excuse that I can have to wear beanies more often, I will gladly take it. It's gonna, right. it's gonna be 115 degree weather. I will still like wear June, it. And she's gonna be wearing a beanie in the finals. I'm I'm here for it. 100 percent I'm gonna throw this out to the Cove Crazies. If somebody goes back and compiles the stats <laughs> on Beanie Watch here. I will give a free PHNX Sun shirt to them. You okay. hit me up. I will. I will out of my own pocket. I will get you a PHNX Sun shirt because we need to know if this is a thing or if the Cove Crazies are just uh, overblowing the the hat there. But I, I'm glad that people are loving the Armani mode. This was something that that came up last playoffs. I, I'm a passionate about going with Armani mode. I'm glad you guys are liking that too. But but beanie mode might become a thing. I like it. I'm here for it. I, I think it's a thing. I'm, I'm going to go so ahead they, and say I think it's a thing. So they got to check the pregame tape then, right? That's what oh. we're that's what we're basing this on pregame. Uh, yeah, tape? I, I want or pregame tape checked. I, none of this. None of this. Oh, I watched the postgame and there was a beanie and they won. No, because that can be fudged. You don't know. I want to know pregame if, if it makes an appearance. Otherwise, this is not some record. All right. Well, because we I could say it. my orange glasses. We could say Gerald looking uh, looking like Pete Davidson. There could be a million things. It could be the Switchfoot shirt that Gerald's wearing. I don't know. We just need to get to the bottom of it. If I wore it in pregame, I definitely wore it in postgame because it doesn't mm. help your hair look better after you take it off. So if, if it was All I know is I look like a part of anatomy that nobody should look like on camera if I wear a beanie. So <laughs> that I, you will never see me wear a beanie on this show. Okay, and with that one, we're going to move right on along because we're still in the second quarter. And in that second quarter, we really started to see a lot from campaign. He's starting to put together some really good games now. Maybe he's starting to feel back to his regular self again. Um, At the half, he had 12 points off the bench. And then he finished with... 25 and 5. Thank you. I was like, where is campaign? (laughs) Since since uh, Saul's not here, I'll do it. Cam, there you go, just for you guys. That was my Saul impersonation. Oh man, we're getting impersonations back and forth. Is this what happens when I'm back not to on bad the show? Game. Has someone ever impersonated me? No, but now I will, Jared. Yeah. Now okay. <laughs> but yeah, what do you guys like about what you saw from campaigns play tonight or today? It just seems like he's more confident, more comfortable. He's not pressing as much because we've talked about this and it was something I wrote about when I wrote about campaign last week was that it felt like he was trying to do too much. You know, he's driving to the basket 100 miles an hour, trying to get these nifty trick shot layups in over, you know, taller defenders. And it just wasn't working. He was also missing a lot of his wide open threes. Today, I thought he was a lot better at kind of probing. And Monty had mentioned this the other day that they've talked to him about you know not trying to force it as much, trying to either find open shooters, look for JaVale McGee on the rolls, since that's usually the big that he's playing with. 
Um, and he just shot the ball well today. You know, he shot eight for 12. He made three of his six three pointers. That's kind of the campaign that the Suns got last year for the most part. So it's one or two games, maybe three that he's started to string together a little momentum. So this is uh, good news for them moving forward if it can continue. Yeah, aggressive but efficient. And that's what Cam was or Cam was last year. That's what we loved about him was he would get to the hoop. He'd, he'd hit these shots, but it, but he did it with that aggressiveness that he had earlier in the season. But for some reason, he just wasn't finishing. This is this is a great development for this team because they need Cam playing at this level going into the playoffs if they're going to have the same kind of run that they had last year. I know I've said I want to see a, a combo guard at the deadline as as campaign insurance. I still would love to see that, but what I would like to see first is campaign actually play like he has and that that insurance isn't as needed from uh, from that backup point guard position, but that you can maybe take some of Landry's minutes, give it to somebody that you bring in. But um, it's good to see that version of Cam back, and hopefully it's not a quick burst. Hopefully it's a long-term thing that we're seeing. Yeah, Howie in the chat said Cam played great. I think he'll be fine. He's playing with lots of new bench players, just needs time. And we did talk about this a few shows ago, just – there are a lot of new faces on that second unit. And so he did have to figure out the chemistry with all of those new faces. And Gerald, you've said before, Monty has talked about that chemistry, especially between him and JaVale needing to just kind of develop a little bit more so they could find their own rhythm. Yeah. It, it just, it, I mean, you look at JaVale McGee and he's a classic rim running guy and you, and you see how tall he is and how easily he finishes alley-oops and you think, okay, why isn't it easier for them to just develop that chemistry, all he has to do is throw it up. Not really. You have to navigate how you're being defended in the pick and roll. You have to build that chemistry, that trust, that rapport, um, just that ability to know what the other guy is going to do in a given situation. So it takes some time, especially when you're, you know, splitting minutes in the backcourt with Landry Shamet, a guy who early in the season, the Suns tried to get him on the ball a little bit more because they viewed him as more of a combo guard. Now I think you're seeing, you know, the way that Shamit struggled. They're trying to put him more in a position where he's comfortable just doing what he does best, which is shooting. Campaign's getting a little bit more of the ball handling. Him and JaVale McGee have had more time together because we can't forget this either. McGee was filling in with the starters for a good portion there. So then Campaign kind of had to start from ground zero with another big in Jalen Smith and, and Frank Kaminsky. So uh, it's these, these types of things take time. But I think Payne is kind of finding his groove a little bit more. I think Monty talking to him um, a little bit about being more composed has helped, especially recently. So uh, these are all positive signs moving forward. And if you can get this campaign, you know, especially if he shows it over these next few weeks, maybe your trade deadline approach changes a little bit. All right. Now let's move on to the third quarter. In this one, we're going to talk about JaVale McGee feeling, yes. filling in very nicely in DeAndre Ayton's absence. Um, man, he's just been such a good addition to this team. He had 10 points in that quarter and he finished with 20 points and seven rebounds total. Um, we'll get into his shots here in just a minute, but just overall, what'd you like about JaVale tonight? Uh, he came out with energy and you know, when DA goes out, that could have been a, a turning point in this game where, you know, if JaVale doesn't come out with energy, doesn't doesn't play, doesn't show that he can fill in offensively where DA left off, uh, it, it could have changed the dynamics. But JaVale came in and was rolling hard to the rim, took care of everything. In that third quarter, he really dominated. And it was spectacular to watch. I love when we get locked in JaVale McGee and him and Chris Paul and him and Devin Booker are exactly on the same page. It's excitement. It's it. You could just bottle that and, and live off that intensity for an entire, you know, back half of a basketball season. That's how much fun it is to watch that. And I loved that in the third, it helped propel them to expand that lead and make it a no doubter going into that fourth quarter. Yeah, just a huge response, and honestly, it probably single-handedly put uh, Shane's third-quarter betting against the Suns to bed because <laughs> he was he was so good. I mean, he just was catching lobs left and right um, and putting a lot of pressure on the rim. That's what the Suns love about him. 
Um, and when they've got guards like campaign and Chris Paul being able to feed him that effectively and find him in those wide open spaces, you know, it's, it, it's literally a layup line, except it's a dunk line. <laughs> so um, love to see that out of JaVale McGee, really good response from him because this team, you know, losing DA in the first quarter, you need a big response from a guy like that. And that's exactly why they went out and got him. So um, good stuff from him. Really efficient too. He shot nine for 10 for the entire game. So that's, that's pretty good. The advanced stats say that, that's what helps when you get lobs uh, right at the rim or <laughs> your tip ins, you know, that percentage mm-hmm. usually looks good. It's the old Mark West rule. When you look at, you know, the all time field goal percentage leader in a season for the Suns, <laughs> and you go Mark West. And then you go, Oh yeah, he shot within four feet of the basket. That was the only <laughs> movie ads. So. All right, well, we're going to go even deeper into JaVale McGee because it's time to take your shot presented by Arizona Department of Health Services. COVID-19 vaccines are free for everyone five and older. Those 12 and older are also now eligible for a booster. Visit azhealth.gov for a location near you. Well, look, JaVale McGee was the booster in that third quarter. I mean, if you look at the shot chart from that third, I mean, you can see, like we were talking about, everything happens around that rim for JaVale McGee, and it was green. I mean, it it looked like it was St. Patrick's Day around that rim in Detroit when it comes to JaVale McGee, and that was exactly what they needed in that third. I love uh, what JaVale does, and it's amazing how many times his shot chart Looks a lot like that in in stretches in a quarter. Yeah, it was, I mean, he was efficient. He was he even hit down uh, like a couple of floaters. I think he had one over Isaiah Stewart that was pretty nice. Um, but yeah, when Javale McGee's playing like that, the Suns are, you know, against a team like the Pistons at least they're going to be just fine and hopefully afford Da the time he needs to get back and be healthy. Well, and it's exactly why you sign him in the off season, right? You look at it mm-hmm. and you go, when Da leaves the court, we don't have a guy that can can do this down low. Their centers last year and backup centers in Sarich and Kaminsky were very much perimeter uh, pass oriented, try to, you know, getting open shots. You didn't have the guy like, like DA that could be a rim runner could do those things. So you address it, you get that guy. And, and that's, I think a big part of why the Suns have played so well down, uh, you know, down the stretch of games is because, even if you don't have DA in there, you know you've got this guy that can do very similar things on both ends of the court. It was a smart move by James Jones, and today was just another example. One more time, COVID-19 vaccines are free for everyone five and older. Those 12 and older are also now eligible for a booster. Visit azhealth.gov for a location near you. All right, guys, are you ready? Because we're going to talk about the Devin Booker, Cade Cunningham oh. uh, debacle situation, if you will. So late in that third quarter, Devin Booker had a monster putback jam, and then it was followed directly by a major jam from Cade Cunningham. First, let's talk about Devin's. <laughs> I love How, he, like he takes on not only the Pistons. But Jalen Smith in this, like, can we roll? Let's roll that one more time just to appreciate that Devin Book said, I give no fucks, right? He goes, JaVale, or excuse me, Jalen, not yours. This is mine. And and then he flexes and is screaming at the crowd. And I just, that is the ultimate Booker. Give me that Devin Booker every day of the week. I love when that stuff happens. Whoever that fan was in the corner near that, the corner he kept hollering in their direction so whoever that was they were not feeling good about themselves after that game because i mean book went off and he like we said he was even yelling at some one of the fans this is my city um and it probably was after that play but um yeah when he's playing like that when he's coming in for tip dunks like that you know it's just not your night you're not going to stop him because he, he does have the propensity to like throw it down, but it doesn't happen all that often, or as, at least as often as we'd like to see. So the tip slam, he got up for that one too. Like that was, that was a really cool dunk. And then for Cade to come down and, and throw one right back. I mean, that was something fun until the refs ruined it. Uh, are we a hundred percent sure book wasn't yelling at Detroit's mascot? <laughs> I mean, I, that, how great would that have been if he was screaming at Detroit's mascot, which I think is a My Little Pony, that this is my city, and he's screaming it at the mascot. Who would have known that <laughs> unlocking Superbook would be stuffed human beings in, in, in weird animal suits, you know? 
I so, honestly didn't know he had a the Pistons had a mascot. Apparently, it is a horse named Hooper. I didn't know that. <laughs> My Little Pony. I'm surprised that it's a horse, <laughs> to be honest with you. Um, I don't think a car piston really gets people pumped up. You know, this, hey, it's just a piston. Like, I, I don't know. Anyways. So a lot of people in the chat have kind of alluded to this. And Manuel is the most recent one, so we'll use his comment. He said, I think that mascot woke up a monster, LOL. But for real, though, do you think all of this chatter around Devin Booker kind of just gave him a little extra fuel to add to the fire and kind of has just, like, been a spark for him? Oh, I think when he was talking about, I read social media, I love it, you know, and his comment about uh, Mamba mentality and everything – I think that was him tipping his hat to what's kind of motivated him. Yeah. The mascot thing was all well and good, but the fact that there was such a visceral reaction to it uh, and some of the things that were said, I think that lit the fire and he's like, all right, time to show these people again who I am and what I'm about. I mean, the analytics say ever since the beef with the mascot, he's averaging 32 and a half points on better than 50% shooting. So I don't, you tell me, it seems like all of the hate and the backlash that he's gotten over something so stupid, like, you know, the mascot beef and then his comments about I'm not Kobe Bryant, which I felt like were pretty spot on. It's not like he's been the one comparing himself to Kobe Bryant. And I loved what he said about people saying Mamba mentality from their mama's house. (laughs) <laughs> got more hate for that too so i think he's well aware of it and he's like you know what i'm just gonna drop 30 on the pistons i'm gonna drop 35 on the pacers i'm just gonna keep dropping 30 until people shut up like, i'm cool with it like endell said in the in the chat he's embracing the inner villain and like we talked about embrace the heel be be that hollywood hulk hogan of uh of the nba right now i think he gets it i think he's just like you know what I don't care what you think of me. Okay. I'm going to do this and I'll dunk on my own teammates if I have to, to prove it. <laughs> so Manuel said, my experience in watching contending teams is that the players need some, Oh, that jump. Uh, the players need some extra juice to keep them interested in the regular season. That red dinosaur <laughs> killed Grillin and unleashed the super Armani. I mean, I get it because we've been talking a lot how it seems like this team is just ready for the playoffs. So maybe this was just a fun little storyline to take us on for a few weeks to add a little spark. Maybe that's what it was. We needed Barney the dinosaur to to take this season (laughs) to another level. All right. Oh, that's how petty and competitive we are. We took a Barney (laughs) the mascot. Okay, but that's also also how competitive Devin is, that he would let something like that add more fuel to his fire. So I believe it. I saw a stuffed dinosaur, and I took that personally. (laughs) (laughs) And you know Chris Paul is just standing there whispering in his ear, like, you hear what that Raptor said about you, man? You hear what those fans are saying about you? (laughs) You reading this Twitter stuff? He's like tweet. He's texting Devin, look at this tweet, Devin. (laughs) Join me, Devin. I love that. Okay, so Devin got to celebrate a little bit after his dunk, but then Cade got called for his second tech of the game and got tossed. So let's have a conversation about this because I don't think you could very definitively say one way or the other of whether or not he was pointing at Devin or he was pointing at his bench. I think EJ was kind of alluding to this on, or he actually just straight out said it on the broadcast as well. You you can't know for sure who he was pointing to. Even if he was pointing at Devin though, I don't care. I don't think he should have gotten a tech for that. He kind of just killed like, it was great for the Suns, obviously, because the Suns put it away early, were able to like call it a day, but it was a fun matchup watching Cade and Devin kind of go back and forth with each other. And that got taken from us over oh. something as as lame as celebrating a dunk. Look, yeah. look, I can't I can't accept that we're gonna rip on the refs when they don't give Devin respect. And then when they do give Devin respect, we're like, <laughs> they shouldn't have done that. We really needed Kate Cunningham to keep this interesting. That to me was totally, we're showing respect to Devin Booker because if he's pointing at him, he's out. All right. That's the way I took that today. All right. Well, he was pointing at the bench though. He was pointing at the Pistons bench. The, the pool report from the referees after the game said that they interpreted it as he was pointing to a specific player, whether that was 
Jalen Smith, who he actually dunked on, or Devin Booker. I don't think they cared. I look, you like remember that Sean Kemp dunk from the '90s, where he like scoops the ball from below his waist, dunks on the guy, and then double finger points at him. He didn't get a tech for that, so like, why are we giving Cade Cunningham a t- like his, especially because it's his second tech? Like, if it was his first tech, okay, I wouldn't mind as much. But if you're a ref, you gotta bear that in mind, like. This is a fucking 11 and 31 Pistons team or whatever the hell they are. Like they need something, give them something. And they're actually, they have a player who's actually exciting them for once against one of the best teams, if not the best team in the NBA. And you're going to throw them out for like, I just like, this isn't the NFL. Like don't make the NBA, the NFL, let guys celebrate and taunt. And as long as it doesn't cross the line, I'm cool with it. First off, do we really expect refs to have good enough eyesight to distinguish if he was pointing at a player or at the bench no no well hello in the comments said the pistons commentary said that they that he was pointing at jalen smith so if you've got Mm. pistons people thinking he's pointing at jalen Suns people thinking he's pointing at devin and then other all of the people being like well maybe it was just the bench in general i don't know Look, yeah. sticks deserve to get pointed at. Right? <laughs> he took back-to-back L's. He got dunked on by Devin, and then Kate came around and said, "Oh, that looks fun. I'm going to take my chance now." So uh, you know what? At that point, you deserve to get pointed at. But I look, I get it. I would I have preferred Cade to still be in the game because we may have gotten more dunk offs from him and Devin. Yeah, of course. But you know what? <laughs> Refs make dumb calls both ways. We've talked about this. So I, you know it. It is what it is. At least it wasn't like the NFL refs and the Bengals game and it cost a, a, you know, a team a shot to move forward in the playoffs. This was a bad Pistons team who was going to lose even if Cade Cunningham was out there. Well, to your point, Espo, and Westville in the comments said the same thing. They said Booker's starting to get superstar treatment since the finals. So if it is a respect to Devin kind of a thing, then I really do appreciate that because he definitely deserves it. Um But at the end of the day, I just, I feel like players should be allowed to have a little bit of a celebration and they should be allowed to flex on other people if they have really amazing plays. There is a line, obviously, if you go too far, then sure, tee them up, but just a little bit of a celebration. It's like, we're all doing that to each other at home, so let them do it out there on the court since they're the ones who actually did the thing. No, I, I agree on that. It's not like he walked up to Devin or Sticks and slapped him in the face and said, yo mama or something. Like, he pointed. And I get that. And to your point, Gerald, that and that was a great point about the, uh, you know, about the Sean Kemp dunk on, I believe it was Alton Lister, a former yeah. uh, Sun Devil. But, like, if that doesn't get you thrown out, the league needs to let a little of that because that was half the fun of how we fell in love with basketball in the 90s was there was an attitude about it. There was a, hey, I'm going to dunk on you. I might step over you. I mean, Allen Iverson's remembered for the step over on Tyron Lue. I mean, does that get you thrown out now? I, I I, don't know. Give these guys a little swagger. But when it happens to the opponent of my team, I don't care that much. So. <laughs> I mean, we don't even know that he was taunting him, really. He could have just been pointing down low like, hey, you're a five. Go be a five. <laughs> oh you're a five. <laughs> Stand tall. Stand tall and don't let that happen for me or your teammate. He was giving him advice. Uh, Brittany says, LOL, Sticks got the celebration tech early this season. So this emoji, the shrug emoji. Yes, that's true. But at least it was just his first one. And that was soft too. That was was soft too. It was a little bit. Yeah. Maybe maybe Cade was pointing at the Suns bench going, that's where I want to be. Like maybe we've come so far that players in the middle of their celebration are saying, send me to Phoenix. Cade Cunningham to Phoenix confirmed on the PHNX postgame show. Complete random rumors with no truth that are facetious, (laughs) which will be around the internet within a matter of minutes. I would love that, though. I would not be mad at that at all. And then the fourth quarter, of course, the Suns just put this one away. Um, Gerald, you shared a really cool stat with us at the start of the game. The Suns are 16-0 when holding their opponents to under 100 this season and 28-0 when holding their opponents to under 110. So tonight or today with that 108-135 win, they are now 29-0 when holding their opponents under 110 this season. So Defense wins championships. This team, their offense has been up and down over the last few weeks, but what's been able to help them get through having so many guys out is their defense. 
Um, they're one of the top defenses in the NBA. Yeah, the Pistons scored 108, and they're one of the worst offenses, but this was a really up-tempo game, and like we talked about that first quarter, there was just some elite shot-making on both sides. So um, they really were able to lock in after that first quarter, and when this team plays defense, they're going to win a lot of games. So it's incredible that because you think about the Suns historically, one of their best defenses during the, the seven seconds or less Suns was like ranked 15th or something like that. So this is incredible the way that the culture and the mentality has kind of changed over the years here. This is the best defensive team the Suns have ever had. So keep rolling with it, keep playing defense, and you're going to get a lot of W's. Yeah, this is the, this is the mentality of uh, of CP3 and Devin Booker, and I think more Devin Booker uh, as we go along in this, and that's exactly what we've always wanted to see. I mean, in the dark days, you'd say, hey, if I could have 12, 15 guys like with Devin Booker's mindset, not necessarily a skill set, but his mindset, we'd be in a much better place. Well, welcome to the much better place. And- we should uh- – Sorry, Lindsay. Should we uh, should we bring up the clip of Devin Booker playing defense since we're talking about it? Yep, Did we're I... going to. But right. first, we're going to name Devin our draft king, king of the game, because he finished with thirty points, four assists, eleven of eighteen from the field, and he recorded his ninth twenty-point half of the season today. The Suns are now nine and zero when Book has a twenty-point half. The last time he did this was yep Friday in Indianapolis. So it's a thing. It doesn't. Now. It doesn't matter how early it is. Devin Booker will eviscerate you. <laughs> phenomenal performance from yes. him. Apparently, if, he, if, he nailed this, is this uh, crown into his head like it's a yard sign, too. <laughs> I don't know what's going on with that, but we'll uh, we'll, we'll give it, uh, it its due. Okay, crown placement, Shane. Okay, crown <laughs> placement. So. But yes, Gerald, to your point, Devin is finally getting a little bit of love from the mainstream media for his defensive efforts this year. So our tweet of the night comes from Chris Hansen, who quote tweeted a video shared by NBA.com advanced stats writer John Schumann of Devin Booker's defense with the um, words, Devin Booker defensive highlights have now gone mainstream. Look how far we've come. Because John Schumann shared that highlight of him playing defense on Cade Cunningham and said, man, look at Devin working early on a Sunday. Got me fired up. Well, I love that Book wanted this assignment, too, because, you know, he went to Monty and said, yeah, let me have it. Like, I know Chris can do this. I know Mikhail can do this, but I want it. And he came out and he showed that he could do it. And and I love that because this is this is different than early Devin Booker. Early Devin Booker in his career was not doing this. This is a big shift for him as well, and I love seeing it, especially on an early Sunday morning. He made it look easy, like Sunday morning, if you will. Okay, we got a Commodore's reference. I love it. Um, Yeah, but uh, no, it was like, you know, Cade got 21 points before he got ejected in the third, so he had a nice game, but like Book was working hard on defense, and that possession in particular, he did a really nice job. And it's just those little things that people are starting to notice is really cool because, you know, for most of his career, it's been, oh, Devin Booker doesn't try on defense. Devin Booker sucks on defense. Like, um, it's, uh, you know, he's putting up empty numbers on offense and not playing the other end. But now that he's actually on a winning team and has a reason to care about the defensive end, like, you're not going to bust your ass for 82 games on both ends of the floor when you're having to do everything on offense and play with a bunch of G League guys on defense. He has talent around him now. He has a capable defense, and winning is the most important thing to him. So we're seeing that with the way that his scoring numbers have kind of gone down over the last two years. His assist numbers have kind of gone down, and his defense has gone up. He's doing the things that the Suns need to win, not the things that he did when they were bad, and he did just by necessity. Well, you make a great point too, Gerald. When you have team defense behind you that you know that that effort you're going to put forth won't be for for not because the other four guys are going to blow their assignment, mm-hmm. uh, that changes the mentality. He trusts the other four guys behind him on that court to do what they're supposed to do, to make the right moves uh, in terms of, of defensive rotations. So it's easier for him to put forth that effort because he knows it's going to be rewarded with what they need. Yeah, absolutely. It's 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 nice that just everybody else gets to see it now because we've seen it in Phoenix over the last couple of years. And typically those types of narratives take they're like a year late in shifting 
Like we see it with all-star selections all the time. Guys are noted as all-stars a year after they probably should have been. But like with book and we've seen that with book too, but like with Mm -hmm. defense, especially if you're labeled as a bad defender, it typically takes a year for the rest of the the pack to kind of catch up and realize that narrative has shifted. So it's nice that the outside world, the national media is sharing clips like this because uh, and Rudy Gobert, someone mentioned in the comments, I think Brittany mentioned in the comments that Rudy Gobert's comments kind of subtweeting Donovan Mitchell the other day, talking about how Devin Booker tries hard on defense. Like those types of things really do help. It's cool that other people are catching on. Wait, I missed that. What did, what did they, what happened with that? So Rudy Gobert, I think it was in the Salt Lake Tribune said something about like you look at other teams like winning teams and you've got Devin Booker trying really hard on defense and running around screens and all kinds of basically a a subtle shot at Donovan Mitchell um, for not trying as hard on defense as he needs to. And it's interesting how that narrative has shifted because a couple of years ago it was, oh, Donovan Mitchell is a good team defender because the Jazz defense is good. Devin Booker doesn't care about defense. And now it's like totally flipped. So don't get me started on this subject. How the turntables. I I still (laughs) do not understand how Donovan Mitchell is considered a better player by many than Devin Booker. I still think it's just pure ignorance at this point. Well, like Gerald said, sometimes it just takes a really long time for people to catch up and get uh, caught up with the party. (laughs) That, That Gerald headshake makes me feel like I may have slightly offended him. Are you in that? Are you in that camp, what, Gerald? Wait, what did I say? What did I do? My head? You gave me a little <laughs> head nod. Not real. Not really a yes. Oh, you're correct, but more of a I'm going to just nod so I don't get in an argument here. Is that what that no, was? Felt, no, that was a that was an agreement. Like, yeah, he's right. Okay. Um, All right. Yeah. I'll no, let it slide I'm, then. I'm not as good at acting as Pete Davidson, apparently. But no, you're better. You're actually better. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) All right, gentlemen, we're going to take a quick break because the NFL playoffs are here and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is kicking things off with a huge offer. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, new customers can get 56 to 1 odds on any wildcard team to win their game. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team is victorious. If you are not a new customer, you can still get in on the action of the divisional round with same game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. And best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now if you haven't and use the promo code PHNX and you'll get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 to win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code PHNX this wildcard weekend at DraftKings Sportsbook. 21 and older only, Arizona only, gambling problem, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP, new customers only, eligibility restrictions apply, see DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Um, Mike B., I'm really sorry. You told us about your uh, parlay that you had planned earlier for tonight's game and i believe it missed on the first field goal yep so i'm really sorry about that that's a major bummer yeah he got burned by crowder's cash club sorry Mm -hmm. Uh, but then Cade got thrown out so he got screwed by the refs anyways even if crowder had hit the first shot yeah that's true at least seven hundred da and da left with the ankle sprain so he didn't get his double double right <laughs> that too <laughs> so you know what i'm not sorry about crowder's cash club you're screwed anyways so but the crowder's cash club is what started the snowball that turned into an avalanche of why his parlay didn't hit Man, i'm blaming I, you on this one Esco. It's look, your fault. look i make suggestions if you take them that's on you i mean <laughs> i'm i'm in a walk-in closet wearing bright orange glasses like you want to trust this that's up to you <laughs> All right, gentlemen, um, is there anyone or anything else that you would like to highlight uh, before we let everyone go to enjoy their late afternoon, evening, Sunday? Uh, You know, based on today's play, Jalen Smith may not be a four or a five in this league, but, uh, you know, (laughs) it it was a rough day out there for for Jalen. Sorry, didn't mean for you to catch strays here, but... uh, it was Poor just, Jaylen. it was not pretty. You need to bounce back in San Antonio, all right? Yeah, we're, we're hoping if Aiton does have to miss time, the one potential silver lining is Jalen Smith 
will probably be playing the five again instead of the four, especially if Cam Johnson is close to returning. That would be a nice little extra boost to his trade value approaching the trade deadline. So we'll see what happens, but just something to keep an eye on. And also, you know, we mentioned campaign, but Landry Shamet, he wasn't great tonight, but he did get to the free throw line seven times. Um, so if he's able to just manufacture points like that, that's always helpful. <laughs> My little nugget of information um, is that Jay Crowder uh, matched his season high for rebounds today in Detroit. So that's his second consecutive game with 10 or more rebounds. Um, and it marks the third time in his career that he's posted back-to-back games with 10 or more rebounds and the first time since the 18-19 season. So shout out to Jay for that stat today and uh, getting it done down low. Yeah, Devin wasn't the only one that took that Toronto game personally. I mean, I think the Suns as a whole realized the rebounding was a massive problem there that almost cost them the game and they've come in and, and they've taken care of it. I mean, even... I, I rip on, I gave Jalen some crap there, but he had seven boards. I mean, he had 12 the other night. Offensively, he hasn't done a whole lot, but on the boards, he stepped up and helped fill that gap when necessary. So so this whole Suns team realized that rebounding was going to be a key, and they've come out and proven, you know what, we understand when we screw up, and we're going to take, uh, take advantage of, of being better at it. Yeah, absolutely. And Jay Crowder, just a testament to his professionalism, because Monty had said after that Toronto game, they spent a good 48 hours talking about the rebounding thing. Um, so for him to come out here as this undersized small ball four, grab double digit boards and back to back games, he uh, he took that message to heart for sure. Hey, Brittany brings up uh, an interesting point. Our friend Kellen Olson apparently said that book had uh, 40 to 50 family members out there. So no wonder Armani mode came out. Do you think that has a major impact uh, on these athletes when they know that they have family like that, that may not see them on a regular basis uh, out there? Maybe, maybe a little bit, just because you have people in the stands that you know you're playing for and that, you know, you're going to get to see and go talk to after the game. Detroit is always, every single time I've ever been to Detroit with the Suns team, it has been a literal party after the games even back when the Suns were bad and they would lose there were at least especially when Josh Jackson was on the team when it was Josh and Devin it was at least 150 people in the friends and family section at the end of the night waiting to just see both of those players and like Helen said 40 to 50 people there for Devin tonight so he's got a huge huge friends and family section there in Detroit Yeah. And I think that does help because like we were talking about guys needing or looking for constant little motivation um, during a long regular season. I think having your family there is like a positive type of motivation. Like, okay, cool. This is something to get up for. This is something to be excited for. Yeah. I just, I remember Goran Dragic in his time here. Uh, He had just had a son in the first game. His son was in the stands he dropped a career high. I think it was like 36 and, and those kind of things. I always just wonder because, you know, we really don't understand that. Like I'm not going to have a better show. If I, if I know family members are watching, I, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to perform better at my desk, you know, because I, <laughs> I have my family around me. It's nice. I'm not saying it's not nice, but like if I have 40 family members standing around me, I'd probably be more like, what the hell is going on? But for these athletes, so it always it always just made me wonder, does it give you some kind of different mentality uh, when you know that you have that kind of different support in the crowd? Patrick, in the comments, kind of same thing as you said, Espo, they um, they said that I'd be worried it put extra pressure on book with all the family there. So I'm glad it was the opposite. I just think that sometimes with these professional athletes, they're so used to pressure that a few extra eyeballs or people maybe whose opinions they actually care about. I don't know if it adds pressure. I think it adds just more oomph because because at the end of the day, those people might be the ones that Devin will sit down and listen to like CP3 with his son. If his son texts him and is like, hey, this is what you need to work on. Chris Paul is going to take that text message more seriously than he would 20,000 people saying the same thing on social media. You know what I mean? So I I don't know. It's just, 
It's interesting now. Oh, hold on. Hello, I did not say F them families. Let's make that clear. Let's not misquote me in here. I get myself in enough trouble. I don't need your help. Thank you very much. <laughs> oh, that's oh great. Oh, my God. That'd be so... Uh... <laughs> All right, gentlemen. Anything else before we say goodbye for today? Nope. We'll be back tomorrow with a second item of back-to-back. One, one other, one other thing. Hold on a second. I, I was just thinking about this. The, the scenes, okay, okay, the scenes, you know, when they take those video of the cities that they're in and they're mm -hmm. driving through and you're like, oh, wow, I'd like to visit that city. You watch that Detroit one and you go, why does anybody live here? I like Detroit, so I'm not your team on this. And I always enjoyed going to Detroit. I did. Has Lindsay ever said, I really hated going to that city? Yes. It was, not, Indianapolis. Hated uh, being there. Oh, Sucked. But, Never want to go again. But Detroit, you know what? I want to go to the capital of home foreclosure and nothingness. Yes, please. Detroit. I love going to Detroit. What are you, like addicted to Little Caesars Pizza? No, like they just had some really cute, like, local shops and, like, cool outdoor scenery things and, like, I don't know. It was Christmas time, though, every time I was there. So maybe that's what added a little extra to it. And it was like cold and snowy and like that, an outdoor skating you, rink. I don't know. You're not, you're not, uh, you're not selling me on this. Plus, Little Caesars Arena has the best media food in the entire league, hands down. Really? Like, hands down. So they have every single thing that you can get from Little Caesars available. So like the pizza, like the cheesy sticks, all that, like this, I think they have like a cinnamon bread thing too. And then they have like a buffet kind of like style like it's usually two different options that you can get for dinner um and then they have a really solid dessert stable so media food wise that arena knows what they're doing i'm just saying again to the chat i did not say i hate little caesars i actually <laughs> like little caesars it was just a point about detroit people all right jeez espo you're just wrong on this one okay just take that out oh. <laughs> god you people. Oh, I really man. liked being there. So I don't, I don't know. I'm not with you on this one as well. I'm sorry. You're on your own. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you all for tuning in. We really appreciate it. As Gerald said, we will be back tomorrow with a pregame show beginning at 6 p.m. on our YouTube channel before the Suns take on the Spurs. Um, don't forget, if you are watching on YouTube, hit that like button and subscribe. If you are listening wherever you get your podcast, be sure to rate, review, and also subscribe. And of course, you can follow me on Twitter at LindsaySmithAZ. You can follow Gerald on Twitter at Gerald Borgay. And you can follow Espo on Twitter at Espo. Espo, take us home. Just remember, I don't hate everybody in the chat, only certain people. F certain people <laughs> in the chat. Oh, boy.